Insights on Responsible Business is a podcast about organizations building trust, security, and resilience to thrive in a new era of uncertainty and stakeholder capitalism. Our host is Sir Rob Wainwright. With career-long experience of navigating complex risk and security issues, he talks with business leaders and experts about their challenges and experiences in becoming more responsible businesses towards an outcome that is better for all stakeholders, better for long-term shareholder value, and better for society as a whole. Miriam von Feldhazen has been Chief Financial Officer of University Medical Center Utrecht, also known as UMC Utrecht, since 2013. UMC Utrecht is a leading international university medical center. Here and in various other board positions she holds, she focuses on improving healthcare in the Netherlands. Over to Rob and Miriam to talk about having an impact on the health of the people. Brilliant. Thank you, Rodney. Welcome back, listeners. Warm welcome to you, Miriam. Thanks so much for the time uh, you're giving us today. Well, of course, as a leading professional in the healthcare industry, you've had quite a year in 2020, and we'll, we'll come on to discuss, I'm sure, the impact of the pandemic shortly. But first, help me set some context here. Um, this is a podcast series, as you know, about responsible business, about how to lead with purpose in generating value and impact for society. Of course, everything that a major hospital does is about serving society in a very direct way, of course. But how do you bring your mission to life in a way that has that greatest impact? Yeah, uh, thank you. And thank you uh, for having this conversation about my work and uh, about the work of the UMC Utrecht in special. This is what's, what's, it's keeping us busy every day, of course, how to really make impact in people's life. Well, first of all, as an academic hospital, we are delivering not only care, but also we do a lot of re- uh, education and research. And we combine those three in the Netherlands, the academic hospitals are all combined with the university, the medical university. Uh, so we do research education and care in one uh, as one business and to do that you need first of all of course the right staff and for having the right staff you have to be an attractive employee but that's not the hardest part of all to have really impact on health of people's lives you really have to understand which problems people and society are facing that seems obvious but that's harder than you think and the second is you have to uh, get those implemented those ideas and in an academic hospital we are used to do traditional research Uh, we have the most brilliant researchers and they get promoted by doing publications more publications you have better promotions and then at the end you be a professor and that's the, the a great achievement of course but by having a uh, a great publication, uh, there's no health improved. To have a great uh, publication in Nature or another brilliant magazine that doesn't have impact on people's lives immediately. It has impact on people's lives if the knowledge from that, that research is really used in practice. So a few years ago, we totally changed our strategy. We no longer promote people by having a lot of publications. We don't want to know how much publications they have. We, we have a conversation with people and we ask them, what's your impact in society? How do you know that society is waiting for this research? What, what problem are you solving at that? When you have this knowledge, 
how it's reached by society. How can people change their lives by this new knowledge, by this new treatments? And that's a totally different way of working and a totally different way of working for the education, but also for the, for the research, but also for the education, because we changed our uh, uh, programs by another training for uh, new students. And of course, it's also uh, changing the care. So I think that, that, that really understanding what people need, it's obvious, but it's also very difficult. Um, and, and by having the right way of promoting people, we try to stimulate that. That's one big part in how we try to really have impact in people's lives. And the second is to have focus. I find it very interesting what you're saying, because, of course, a lot of business are faced with, um, you know, a strategic desire to make a real impact. But, but actually managing that in, in, in a complex bureaucracy and managing to turn the ship around to, to in, in the way that you're describing must be really quite challenging, particularly a major hospital where you have a thousand things to do every day, so many competing priorities. You have to run a big administration, which leads often to a big bureaucracy at the same time. So to reduce it down to that singular focus level, um, in the way that you've been describing, must be very, very hard to achieve. Well, it's hard and it isn't. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's to believe in it and to have trust in the people you work with and uh, dare to let go all sorts of control mechanisms. And I think the most difficult is, is that we can change it and we can promote people by other uh, uh, um, in other ways than traditional uh, uh, is done. But those people want to have their career also in other academic hospitals and in other universities and other parts of the world. And if you are changing quicker than other parts of the world, uh, then people don't have all those beautiful publications. And they say, but I really had a major impact in society and the UMC Utrecht is believing that. But you don't get a promotion in another university with that. So you can't change much faster than the rest of the world. And that's also a big challenge. If you have this brilliant vision and concept, if people really believe it, and as you say, if you can simplify it to, we will now focus on making an impact uh, for society, then, then I suppose it can attract a lot of people. What does that mean in the way that you're describing the shift in the hospital where you're a board member, maybe more generally in the Dutch healthcare sector? What does that mean for the delivery of healthcare as well, beyond just academic research? Now, what we saw there is much more uh, collaboration between the researchers and the healthcare professionals. And that means that uh, the knowledge from research is much, much faster reaches the, the uh, delivery of, of care. So it's not first the article that's published and the doctor who's reading it and thinks maybe I can do something with it, but they are in front of it parallel and the, and the research, they are collaborating. So together they are changing the, uh, the practice. Uh, so the doctor has an idea, he's facing a problem with, a, with a, uh, uh, a group of patients. And then the researcher says, okay, I will, I will, I will see if, if there's another way who can improve this. So for example, uh, the UMC Utrecht has a focus area brain and uh, one of the diseases there is, uh, is ALS. It's a terrible disease of your muscles. Uh, unfortunately, we can't uh, cure that disease, but we can get a diagnose. Uh, but after setting the diagnose, then people 
what we can do for people is give them the, the best uh, life they can living with this disease. And we are, are struggling with that. That's, that's really a problem of society of those patients today. So, of course, we have researchers who do the preclinical research to hope, hopefully in the future get a cure for this disease. But we also want the people today have a better life. So together they build uh, an application so that, that those patients can be uh, in control of their disease today and not be dependent of the health caregiver. So I suppose what you're describing, Miriam, is, is that the real focus that you're trying to bring in the end is on improving, of course, the livelihood of, of the patient, a human being, I guess. So it's really about focusing on, on making a difference to that person's life. I just wonder the, the changes that you're talking about now in the rest of the healthcare that your uh, services that you're running and that you're delivering, is that the same approach that you're taking, trying to shift the focus of health towards the individual patient? Yes, because every individual patient is different. Some people uh, are just trying to have a good life with the, uh, uh, the disease they have. Other really want to have a cure. Our ambitions of, of we, who we are as, as human beings are all different. And so a cure can never be the same for everyone. What we are changing is looking at the individual and, and asking them, what's your purpose? What do you want to achieve? What do you need help for? Uh, and then looking at, uh, so what can I mean? What can I, I, which cure is the best for you? And that's not always the same. So the illness can be the same, but the, the, the treatment can be totally different. Yeah, so rather than just applying a, a, you know, a, the system-wide response to every yes. patient in the same way, I, I suppose you're understanding how you can yes. make that critical difference in each case. That's interesting. Of course, you've been talking about about delivering these improvements in academic research, but also in healthcare delivery. And to a certain extent, maybe what they say about changing the concept of what health is really about. Those changes, meanwhile, has had to survive the impact with events in the real world, not, not least, of course, over the last year. So I'm just wondering, as you look back on 2020, what legacy for your sector do you think the pandemic will be leaving behind for us? Well, uh, I hope a lot because I'm very proud of the healthcare sector in this year. Because in the beginning of this year, we were facing uh, the impossible and we did it and we still are doing it. Uh, so what we had to deliver the regular care because of course, <laughs> everyone is still becoming sick and all sorts of diseases. And we are facing this COVID care, but nobody really knows what it was, how big it would be, uh, what it was asking. And uh, in many countries, but also in the Netherlands, we are working in a system with re really tight capacity. So every year it's really all struggling with our capacity to deliver the care we need to deliver. And in that system, we had to deliver all those, we had to take care of all those COVID patients. Uh, and on part of that, we also had to do research in what does this disease means? Uh, uh, what's the best cure? Uh, how can we help society with it? Uh, uh, and especially for the academic hospital, we also had to change all the education because we have 4,000 uh, students normally on our campus and they were all at home. So we had to do that online 
within a few weeks. And of course, we also had to manage the company a little bit. So that was a really big task. Uh, and uh, surprisingly, we, we really managed to do all of that. We did deliver uh, 95% of the regular care. Uh, we tripled our IC capacity for a lot of COVID patients with help also for military uh, personnel. So we really did manage to deliver the impossible. And so what's interesting is how, how did we do that? What was now the difference between the normal way of working and what we did now? Uh, and bottom line, it's given this professionals and in healthcare, they're working really, really great professionals the space to do the things they thought were best at the moment. So to stop controlling them, to stop telling them what to do, to stop asking them to filling in all sorts of forms and, and, and regulations, but saying, okay, we expect this will be the amount of people who will come for the regular care, that this will be uh, 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 the amount of people who come for COVID care. What are the best solutions? And how can we do that with the tight capacity we have? And then they are so flexible and they really managed to solve that in a very practical way. But it sounds like, you know, you were faced with a crisis, big, big crisis, of course. Um, you had no option. You had no option. You, you had to um, respond at the time and, and, and make the impact where you can, where you found the improvements. And that forced perhaps the industry into you know, much more agile way of working, um, innovations and, and speed of, of changes that might not have been possible. Uh, and so you changed a, a legacy system that might have been slower and less effective in the past through the eye of the storm. Uh, and, um, you know, it sounds like, Miriam, in a very positive way that, that healthcare sectors coming is emerging out of that in a leaner and fitter fitter shape. Yes, and we we didn't do that by a lot of project management and agile management and all sorts of other tools we are usually using for that. But by giving the people who are really knowing what to do the trust that they will do what's necessary. So maybe by doing less we did a better job. Isn't that interesting? And you mentioned trust um you know, which is trust and enduring theme of this podcast series in the, in the sense that no business can be seen as valued and responsible if it doesn't carry the trust of the stakeholders. You, you're talking there, of course, about entrusting your staff. Of course, you're also in the business of securing the trust of your patients, of course, which is, of course, critical to your, to your work. Have you learned something not just during the this this experience of pandemic, but over the recent years? Have you learned something how to, what it's taken maybe UMC Utrecht to enhance the trust of its patients? Well, um, we of course did an evaluation with a lot of uh, staff members about how did we manage it and what went well and what could we do better next time. And one of the things that struck me was that the, uh, the head of the, uh, the nurses uh, said, um, well, maybe at first we really experienced that management was helping in solving our problems instead of asking us things to do. So uh, uh, we really needed the knowledge of all the professionals. 
And of course, they had a lot of problems they were facing in lack of materials, lack of uh, uh, space, uh, uh, lack of knowledge about what were the best protocols to follow. And every day they had a, a start in which they say, okay, we can manage this, but in this we have a problem. And the team leaders and the management went and solved those problems. And that's really another way around. Because normally the manager is coming and say, okay, today we have to do this. And today we have to do that. And, and she said, for the first in my career, I experienced the opposite. And that was so great that we, that we could go on. That we could do all those more patients than we normally could see. Because all those, those problems were solved for us. Did the patients feel that though? Did they? Did you? Did you? Have you seen that trust levels amongst the patient community are also increasing as a result? How do they feel about the, the changes that you're talking about here? About the way in which the healthcare yeah. sector is well, changing? I think that um, we managed to improve some things mostly in regular care, because we had to. Uh, for example, in more remote uh, healthcare, in a better triage. Uh, so to look in with patients, do we have to see uh, which can wait a little bit? And we, of course, we were very afraid that, that patients would be, disset- that would be a dissatisfier. Uh, and instead of that, we saw the scores go higher. They were more satisfied. Because we gave them more control about our own health. We told them why we thought they, they could wait a little bit. And in the more remote uh, monitoring, they had more control on their own health. And they didn't have to come to the hospital. What was perfectly fine by them because they didn't want to come at all. Um, so it was more in a dialogue with the patients. What can we do for you? If something has to be done, we were there for them. But sometimes it wasn't needed. Interesting, giving you know, listening, listening to the patient, your customer in this case, listening to them, responding to their to their needs, giving them more control. Um, yeah. You know, there are parallels in the technology sector. There's a lot of talk about the rights of um, data users, you know, in terms of privacy, and and it's it's when data users are given given responsibility and more control over what happens to their data. Do they feel more trustful of 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 the partner that they're working with. So it's, it's, it's a similar point about what trust means, I think, for people and society um, in, in these modern times. As you look ahead then also, I'm assuming also the, the, the COVID experience has already led or will lead to a greater digitization of, of the healthcare sector. What is that happening? Do you think that will enhance the trust of your services or make it make them more efficient at least? Yeah, it it, it is happening and but it is hard to to hold on when when the COVID is, is laying down. By now we are in the in the middle of the second wave. So uh, we have to uh, uh, also rely on more remote and more uh, uh, digital way of, of working. I hope we can we can hold on to that uh, when things get more normal again. Uh, but it's it's very hard to change the ways of working for the ways that are normal for our patients and the ways that are normal for our employees. And that's because it's not that easy to have a digital way of working in healthcare uh, because employees are very concerned about their patients. And they want to see them and they want to know that it's going going right. So you really have to have a great, again, the word trust, 
trust in the digitalization, that it's really better than seeing them yourselves to let it go. Uh, so that is what we're trying to do right now, to building that trust that it's really better by doing research on that. Uh, so we can hold on to it when we are back in a more normal normal way. But that will be hard work. That's not going easy. Do you trust this digitization process? Do you believe in, in the future like that? Of course, because um, well, sometimes I think we imagine a little bit too, too little. It's now holiday season and uh, we all are, 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 are buying things for our family uh, for Christmas. And if you buy something today on, on a site and it isn't delivered tomorrow, you are dissatisfied because that's taking you much too long. But if there's something wrong with your health, it's okay that you wait until Monday and then you're going to call and you have to wait and you have to wait. And then maybe a few days later you can come and then someone is listening to your complaints. That's crazy. We shouldn't accept that. And I think in the nearby future, we, we, we won't accept it anymore. Uh, so of course I believe in it because it's the digital way of working. It's, it's our new world. And of course it will work in healthcare also. But we, we have to uh, build trust there by doing research, by really looking at what, what do patients need to improve their health. And also looking at what do employees need to do their work better. So if we build things in the digital way, which, which are better for patients, but they aren't working for the health professional, we don't use them. If we build things that are good for the health professional, but not for the patient, the patient won't use them. And that's the hard thing. It has to work both ways. But it will um, likely lead um, to, to a better future in the way that you give a very vivid example of why, why should we wait one day for the package to be delivered, um, but, but one week for, for a hospital appointment. I think that's, that's a great way of looking at it. Well, Miriam, uh, we've, we've come to the end of our, of our discussion. Um, I think you said at the start that you were very proud of how the sector responded over the last year. I think... You know, we're all proud, I think, um, in society. We're all proud of, of the way in which healthcare professionals have taken care of society during this, this very, very challenging uh, period. You, you have, in your words, uh, made the uh, impossible possible. And of course, we're ending the year also with this, this great news of, of first vaccines also now being used as, as well. So thank you, Miriam, for being such an engaging guest on, on such an important subject. Um, that's been on the minds of all of us in, in recent months. Well, 2020, the year of the pandemic, has left many an imprint on our lives, our businesses, and on the question of how societies function. Perhaps more than anything else, though, it's shone a spotlight on the future of healthcare, as we've been hearing today. As a board member of one of the leading university medical centres in Europe, Miriam van Velthausen is helping to chart profound changes in the industry, to shake up its often slow to change and process-driven culture towards an operational ethos focused less on measuring performance and more on getting the job done of making patients better. COVID has tested the system like no other in recent memory. Healthcare professionals everywhere have reacted admirably, heroically well to the challenge. But the system within which they operate hasn't always helped and improvements are on the way as a result from the learning of this pandemic experience, most notably in the more rapid digitization of healthcare. 
How quickly those changes embed into the day-to-day functioning of major hospitals will form a critical part of the future of health. At the heart of this experience lies the concept of trust, what hospitals need to do in the face of challenges like this pandemic to retain and indeed increase the trust of their patients. Running a hospital as a responsible business, one focused on generating high-value performance through being led by its purpose of changing people's lives. Thanks for listening to another episode of Insights on Responsible Business. Hope you enjoyed it and we'll tune in to our next episode. Review us on Spotify, the iTunes podcast app or whatever popular podcast app you're using and find out more on Deloitte.nl.